0: Excited about what's going on with Moms Connect. And thank you, Jessica. And please contact us if you would like to be a part of that. And it is so important right now. Um, I hear of people being disconnected and feeling that way. This is one of those ways that you can be a part of connection, even through Zoom and other areas like... Okay, what I was going to say... (laughs) Lord, would you take care of our sound stuff right now? You know what? Um, I do want to say parents... Sometimes I just don't understand kids. Um, I mean, everything they have, they have gotten from you as parents. Um, they they have their home, their food, their bed, their toys. I, I think of all those really cool, you know, they get really cool moms and dads as well. And you think of all that they have. And I, I sometimes um, just don't get it. And you go, boy, they should recognize that. And, and, and you think they'd be so grateful, so willing to do everything you ask, right? Well, I remember um, I was going on a vacation, and we were going up west with our kids. My wife and I, it was a big vacation. Uh, went through the Black Hills. That was really fun. Gave that experience together as a family. We're on our way to beautiful um, Red Lodge, Montana for just a few nights where we would stay there. And and so on the way, we um, stopped at a, a a restaurant, a really classy restaurant that actually served a meal that made kids happy. And um, in fact, it was such a great meal that they called it a happy meal. And uh, I remember them eating that. And, and I mean, what kid wouldn't want a nutritious meal with a toy? That would make them happy. Well, it didn't seem like it actually filled up their capacity for happiness. It didn't max out with that because near as we were leaving there's a a gas station we need to get gas and my kids started to clamor for some kind of candy and 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 I said well you know what do you want and went in and got the gas and got a a bag of Skittles and brought it back to the car. They wanted for the boring ride through Wyoming which was so flat and and as we're going along, uh, we're just a few miles down the road, and I decided that, you know, I just kind of put my hand in back and said, hey, how about some Skittles for Dad? And you wouldn't believe the resounding response that erupted from the back seat. You would think they'd say, yeah, of course. It was no. They're ours. And I, I'm going, I, I, I don't get this. You, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking, as my hand is back there, what we do all these things for you, and and I turn around and I ask for just a little bit of some skittles, maybe a couple of them, and you say no. I can't help but think that God maybe felt that way as He was directing Moses and the fa- as the father of the children of Israel, and He might have been feeling the same way. He had done all these incredible things. Just to kind of quick review, because we're coming to the last two messages in this whole book of Exodus that we've been going through. God had actually called and raised up Moses, saved him as a little child, so he could save and, and rescue these people who were in bondage. He um, not only protected him in that in that in that water, but he actually brought him into the courts of Pharaoh, where he was raised at the in the best schools, understanding. All the politics, all the machinations that would take place in a court like that, in that kingdom. He did that for 40 years, and then 40 years, he's on the run, Moses is, and he's out in the wilderness. And for 40 years, God's training him how to be a leader that can lead people in a wilderness. He's done all these things through Moses for the people. And then eventually, he empowers Moses to confront and stand before Pharaoh. And he stands before Pharaoh with these plagues, and with these plagues, he, he confronts all of Egypt... And they let him go, and God opens the sea, and they all walk through The children of Israel, think about it, they've got all these things, and then they're on the way through the desert, and they begin to complain a little bit, like kids do in the car, we want this this or that. And he stops, and he gives them water, and he stops, and he gives them manna and food to eat. And then he actually, at one point, says he gives them meat. And as he goes along, they come to the Mount Sinai. And there at Mount Sinai, God reveals himself. And he wants to reveal himself to everybody, but they don't want to. They say, Moses, you go and be our intermediary. And he does, and he goes before God, and he, he, he expresses his will and his desires and what he's going to do for this people, that he's going to lead this people into a land that he's promised for years, 400 years to give them. And he gets it already, and he not only says this, I'll drive out the people before you. And as Moses is going up there, and he's in the temple, in the mount where before God God's laying out the home that he wants built in their very midst a tabernacle and altar and and all the garments fabric all the things needed for it and Moses comes down and the people have rebelled they have already turned away from God made a golden calf God says I'm not going to go with them Moses goes back up pleads to God God says I will relent and forgive because of this incredible prayer that Moses had knowing the authority and responsibility he had and God relents and says okay I'll go with them. And he says, but I'm not going to go, says Moses, unless you go with me. And so God says, yeah, I will go, actually go with you. And he comes back down, and here's where we're at in chapter 35, right before he, um, now begins to build everything that's going to be, um, that, that holds the presence of God in the middle of that camp. And he comes before them, and he asks them, would you give some of the gold and the silver, some of the precious stones? Would you give some of the fabric? Would you give some of the a fragrant incense and some of these things that you were given when, when I had um, Egypt give it to you as loot? They just handed it to you. He says, would you give some of that to create a place, a space for me to be present among you? And that's where we stand at this chapter. And God, in a sense, is reaching his hand back behind the car seat and saying to us, look how much I've blessed you. Take a look at that. Would you be willing to give some of that blessing back to me? I don't know what your answer is going to be. But if you look at this chapter, chapter 35, that's the basic question. Could I have some of what's been given to you, to build my house in your midst. Exodus chapter thirty-five, verses four through nine. Moses said to the whole Israelite community, "This is what the land the Lord has commanded. From what you have, take an offering for the Lord. Everyone who is willing is to bring it to the Lord. An offering of gold and silver and bronze." And blue, pu- blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, and fine linen, and, and goat hair, and ramskins dyed red, and another type of durable leather, and acacia wood, olive oil for the light, and spices for the anointing oil, and, and for the fragrant incense, and onyx stones, and other gems to be mounted on the ephod and breastplate, breastpiece of, of the priests. From what you have... God reaches his hand back and says, will you will you give it? Here's how these chapters, I mean, if you want to look at this chapter, verse, chapter 35, verses 1 through 29, is what we'll look at, breaks down. It, first, God gives what I would call a reminder to rest, and then he issues a call to consider. And finally, God says, decide to do. Those are the, the way this, I've broke down these verses. So 1 through 3 is this reminder to rest. Before you do anything, God says, before you even start on this journey, before you even respond to me, I want you to just stop. And I want you on a regular basis. He makes a command that's for our benefit. Because he knows this will be good for us. He says, I just want you to rest. And so in in verse 1 through 3, he says, Moses assembled the whole Israelite community, and he said to them, these are the things that the Lord has commanded you to do. For six days work is to be done, but the seventh day shall be your holy day, a day of Sabbath rest to the Lord. Whoever does any work on it will be put to death. Do not light a fire in any of your dwellings on the Sabbath day. You kind of go, well, that's a pretty harsh punishment, and that's a weird kind of command to give that don't light a fire, and there's all kinds of thoughts around that, but just let me share with you one of the things that that marks our lives of people who worship God is he doesn't want just that day. He wants our whole life. And when our whole life, you know, we we love to compartmentalize things. And he says, I don't want my, my time, I don't want my relationship with you compartmentalized. I want you to be everything. But one of the ways it shows up in people who love me is they follow my commands. And one of my commands is that you would take time on a weekly basis and rest. And here's the kicker. It's all for your benefit. I, I'm not doing this because I'm trying to make it difficult in your life. I, I'm asking you to do this to stop and, and to recognize that this Sabbath is for you. Jesus said the same thing when they came to him and said, Hey, how are you doing this work on the Sabbath? You know What's going on? You're supposed to, you know, the Sabbath kind of controls you. And Jesus goes, No, no, no. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. The purpose of it is for you. It's just not another obligation that God thinks, you know, I want you to check off a box. It is actually something that is restorative to you. And one of the benefits of this Sabbath is he wants you to stop on a regular basis. And he he doesn't want you to live as a doing. He wants you to stop and recognize your being, who you are, who he's created you, who you are in relationship to him. He wants you to just stop and recognize in the midst of this busy week, you need, if you really want to do well doing the next week, you need to, in a sense, stop and take out of a well of his being, his grace and his goodness so that you can begin to operate in what you do well because now you are well because you've connected to him who is the well of all goodness. And so Jesus would say to people, come to them, those those of you who are weary and, and burdened. Because life isn't about trying to measure up for me. It's really about the fact that I have measured up for you. And I am bringing to you forgiveness by the grace of God. And every week you should enter into this new knowledge and understanding of who you are, your identity. You are my son or you're my daughter who I love. And when you just get things right with me and you recognize it and are aware of it, you can live before me. So stop once a week and rest, he basically says, by remembering how deeply I love you. The Lord's day, here's the benefit, is a reminder to stop working and to start trusting again that God will provide. You've been working all week, you've been a slave maybe to try and get things done, and God says, you know what? The reason I took the people from Israel, from, from Egypt is because I no longer wanted them to understand this identity that they're slaves to this seven-day work week kingdom. With this kind of taskmaster, you have a new God who is not making you a slave, but is setting you son, free as sons and daughters, who promises that he will provide for you. And so he says, I just want you to remember this before, you st- before, before he even really puts his, his, his hand across the back seat to ask for anything. He says, I just want you to remember the well of my goodness. The Sabbath is a reminder to stop working and to start looking at all the gifts that God has given you. I mean, really, we should stop once a week and just go, man, God, what if I just listed on this day all the good things that, that you have done for me? You just look at the simple gifts that God gives you. One of my favorite, I, I've read this before, I'll read it again, I love it. At age two, Helen Keller who, you know, was struck blind and deaf, was able to see and hear the miracle of everyday life better than most of us who can hear and see. She just would treasure the simple gifts. She writes, I who cannot see find hundreds of things to interest me through mere touch. I feel the delicate symmetry of a leaf. I pass my hands lovingly about the smooth skin of a silver birch or the rough shaggy bark of a... Of a pine, I feel the delightful velvety texture of a flower and discover its remarkable convolutions, and and something of the miracle of nature is revealed to me. Occasionally, I'm very if, if I'm very fortunate, she says, I can place my hand gently on a small tree and feel the happy quiver of a bird in full song. At times, my heart cries out, longing to see these things that if. If I can get so much pleasure from mere touch, how much more beauty must be revealed by sight? Yet those who have eyes apparently see little. The panorama of color and action which fill the world are taken for granted. Part of what God says is stop, recognize your forgiveness and your love and that you're not called to be slaves to doing. You're, you're, you're to live out your being so that then you can do well. And as you do that, recognize and walk and, and stop today and go, what are the simple gifts that God has given me? And the greatest, most important gift that we're to remember on a weekly basis is to place our eyes and our hearts on God himself, the gift of Jesus. Every week we just allow ourselves to course correct. I um, was working on this and I came across this um, this song that many of you know. It's, it's titled, Tis the, the Gift to be Simple. But I didn't realize this about it. The popular American folk song, which we've titled, Tis the Gift to be Simple. Whether you've heard Jewel or Judy Collins or Aaron Copeland's Appalachian Spring or Yo-Yo Ma, uh, his rendition. The original title was Merely Simple Gifts. And and the words and music were written by a church elder. So those of you who are elders, um, start writing. Uh, at the Shaker Community in Alfred, Maine in 1848. And this guy, Elder Joseph Burkhart Jr., wrote these words, and there was only one original verse, and now they've tacked on others, but this was the original verse that he he would sing, and it was actually a dance tune. When you would sing this, you would dance, tis a gift, someone dared me to sing this, tis a gift to be simple, tis a gift to be free, tis a gift to come down where we ought to be, and what we find ourselves in the place just right, and when we find a place just right, to be in the, something of, uh, I'll look up here. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll be, uh, we'll be in the valley of the love delight, and and it really, when they sang this, get this, in the church they actually danced to it. When true simplicity is gained, they would dance to bow and bend. We shan't be ashamed to turn, turn will be our delight. Till by turning, turning, we come round right. There is a simple idea that what we're called to do on a regular basis is to remember that we are called to rest, we're called to dance, we're called to see the simple gifts, we're called to turn and turn and turn and turn till we start that week right. And I just have to say, you know, one one of the, we have three things that we say are commitments. It's worship, community, and service. And there is no doubt one of the hardest things being hit right now is worship, and I don't know if you're listening to a podcast uh, this later or you're just tuning in, but I just want to encourage you to really think about that aspect of your life. And so he willingly gives himself to you, and then I think he puts his hand in the back. Now he's kind of putting his hand in the back seat, and he says, would you consider, just imagine if you would, those of you who are here, if you're at home, uh, he's handing his, his hand out there, and he said, would you consider Giving. Something in response. And his question is really this. What will you give to build God's kingdom so that his presence can be known here? And that can look in a lot of different ways. That comes out in a lot of different ways. What will you do in your life to create space for God to live in it? Not not compartmentalize, but I mean in relationship to God so that all the other relationships are where they're supposed to be. Then you say, God, how are you going to filter in these different areas? I read exodus chapter thirty five four through nineteen earlier, but the main point is this in verse five: God reaching his hand back from I mean, he says from what you have taken offering the word offering is again not a compulsion it 's it's a, it's a willing gift. So this word willing comes up again and again. Everyone who is willing is to bring to the Lord. It's not to the church. It's not to some food shelf. It's not to some um, charity that you think you're engaged with. It's to imagine this, especially with regard to the church that is seeking to serve Jesus and submitted and committed to that. If you are finding your nourishment in that place, he said, what will you bring to this place? But it's not to this place. It's to the Lord. Would you consider... Taking what I've given you and bringing it in an offering to me. Some of it. Some of it. Could refer to your finances. Could refer to your home and how you might want to use that for the Lord. I know it's more difficult in these times of COVID, but sometimes people have enough space that they can social distance. I don't know what the resource would be, but will you consider In this part of the passage, he's saying to give it as a way of creating space for God to show up and to touch someone's life. If you look at verses 10 through 19, he continues in the same way. God issues a call to consider giving your gifts and abilities, not not just um, some kind of financial resources or things such as that, but he's talking about your actual gifts, your skills and abilities, which implies your time and energy. Verse 10, all who are skilled among you. We could write it in this way. If there's a New Testament, all who are gifted. Every person has a spiritual gift. Any person who is connected to God and through Christ has been given a gift by the Spirit to touch other people's lives. And in a sense, he's saying, how do you choose to use it? I know it's really hard with COVID. I know that's not an easy thing, but I'm going to ask you as we go into the service, we come to near the end of it, to really ask God to use your imagination and creativity and say, God, I don't know what the next three to four months are going to look like, but where do you want me to use what you've been given so freely to me? When, When you reach across the back seat here and start asking me, I'm going to ask you even first before that, what do you want me to give? And how do you want me to do it? He goes on and he lists all kinds of things. This, again, it's the Lord's command, but it's for His benefit and your benefit that God lives here with you and present with you. Because I gotta share with you, when you serve and you give and you see God touch people's lives, there is, there is hardly anything like that when you see the joy and and to see a person who begins to walk with the, with an understanding of how much they are loved by God. There, there's very few things that I think bring that kind of joy. And he just goes on and he says coverings and clasps and frames and crossbars and posts and and bases. And he just lists all these lampstands to incense holders, all these things. And so what I want you to consider, because God, who is the well of being, has given you things so that you can do these things well out of a sense of well-being in your relationship to him. I want you, as you consider this fall... We're kind of heading towards this quickly. What am I going to do? What am I going to give? What does God want me to do? I'm going to ask, uh, I've asked Bruce uh, Drugsman to come up, who is our pastor, and specifically today we're going to talk about um, small groups, and, and the reason I wanted to stop and, and do this is because I know our attention span is already done, <laughs> about 10 minutes ago. No, I, the reason I wanted to do this primarily was because I thought what a great opportunity for us to talk. I, at, this morning I was writing in my journal. I think many people are living with a low grade, um, emotional fever. And I was, it's like something that's on the tip of your tongue. You just can't name it. And it's not depression and it's not necessarily boredom, but it's, something around just social interaction and connection that just as daily has been taken from us. And, and so one of the ways that we as a church can do that is, is how do we help others get connected with others? How can we be connected with one another? So, Bruce, I'm going to let you share a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, well, and... And before I start sharing, can I just say thank you for inviting me up here to talk about small groups and not to sing and dance with you? Oh, I, yeah, appreciate yeah. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. You think the dancing part? We can.
0: You try the dance, I'll sing.
1: <laughs> Let's not. We want people to feel welcome here, um, but we do. We do as we talk about. COVID especially small groups have become really really important but they've also become really challenging it's really really hard to engage with people when you're not supposed to engage with people and and so we have we have tried to, to double down and and put more energy into these because they are so important to have that community and so as we look towards the fall we're looking to launch some new small groups but that means we're looking for people to step in who are willing to be facilitators and I say facilitator because I think we we think of a small group leader. And people get intimidated because they go, oh, I got to lead a Bible study or I have to be an expert on something. And that's not what we're looking for. We're looking for facilitators. We're looking for people willing to be in community and engage in conversation. And a couple of ways that we're doing that specifically, last year we did a big push for the Immerse Bibles. So uh, if you were here and we did the Bible read through, we did the Immerse Bibles. What I love about these as a small group for a facilitator to step into is you're reading the Bible and then you're asking the same questions every week. So there's no like need for you to dig in and come to some significant understanding. You're looking at people and you're saying, these questions, what stood out to you this week? Was there anything that you found confusing or troubling in the passages? And I love that question because it allows people to ask questions, but it doesn't require you to know the answer. I think one of the best things we can say is sometimes look at people and say, that's a great question. I have no idea. Call Bruce. Yeah. (laughs) And then if I'm confused, I'll send you to Kevin. (laughs) Um, You know, did anything make you think differently about God and how might this change the way we live? It's those four questions. And so I love that because I think from a facilitator standpoint, that's really easy because you're not coming in as some sort of expert. You're coming in as a co-traveler with people willing to say, let's pursue God together. The other one that we do a lot is um, small groups. Uh, sermon-based small groups. And if you download the YZ Free app, on the YZ Free app, you can find every week small group questions. Again, you don't need to be the expert to, to go through questions with people. You're simply asking questions. And you're discussing, you're going, hey, what stood out to you this week? What, what in, in the sermon, you know, and so here we have God gave a reminder to rest. And so you can start there and say, hey, let's read Exodus and let's talk about what Sabbath looks like. What does that actually mean and how, where does the rubber meet the road? And again, you're not coming in expected to know the answer. You're coming in going, I want to travel with you.
0: Well, I think one of the reasons these have worked well and we do it in one of the groups that I'm doing it with is because we get so much information that we don't ever really take time to process it. Right. And so I think that's a, a helpful way to do it.
1: Yeah. And you can process it together and you can talk about it and you can walk through it and, and you can get it on the app. We email them out every week. We have paper copies. I mean, it's really, there's, there's no reason where you can look at me and say, well, i do it, except I can't get them. Like, we're literally making it as easy as you want. So, and then the third area that we're really looking to push into is... I know there's people out there who are experts, or who are experts maybe not in a given topic, but are experts in leading a conversation. And we want to have some learning circles, we're going to call them, some groups that get together for six weeks at a time. You're not committing to, I'm going to spend the next eight years with these people. We're looking for some people to take and and dive into some deeper and challenging conversations. Whether that's, we have a learning circle, uh, at least one going on right now around race. We could have learning circles around finance and giving, politics, LGBT, also, sorts of stuff to really dig in and say for six to eight weeks, we're going to dive into a really challenging conversation because having that conversation face to face in a small group is way more productive. It's way more productive than simply sitting by yourself and reading one topic or one view or, or looking online and trying to find, or sitting in a, in a scenario like this where we have many, many people and, and a one way conversation. So we want to push into that. So I'm, if you're a person who goes, I would love to help facilitate a new group or I'm already in a group and I'd like to welcome more people into my group, I'd love to talk to you about how we do that.
0: Thanks, Bruce. Appreciate it. That's what I want you to consider is where are these areas that God is calling me to to, to say, hey, would you give some back? and And I want you to think about your finances. And I just want to say to the church family, you have blessed us. You have continued to give. Uh, and i can 't tell you how grateful I am for that, but i 'm going to ask you to think about it because God might be saying in some cases, because of your circumstances, maybe that stretch of faith He might be calling you something different, or he may be for some of you as you 're being blessed he 's saying, "I want you to step and do more, some who might be given three percent He said, "I want you to move it up to five, or even some of you are given ten he 's saying twelve i don 't know what god 's calling you to do that 's in that area. What about your spiritual gifts? What about your time? What about Sunday mornings? How is that prioritized? He, he's just a call to consider is what he does here. But then if you look at verses 20 through 29, he says, now decide to do something about what you've considered. I want you to make a decision, and I want you to commit. What I love about this is that God comes to his people through Moses He gives commands that are for our benefit. And then he says this. I want you not to make some kind of spontaneous emotional decision. I want you to think about it. Because I want joyful, willing responses. I could have used my parental authority and said, Okay, kids, I want three as a tax. But that's not what I wanted. Exodus 20 through 21 says, then the whole Israelite community withdrew from Moses' presence. They withdrew from his presence. They did that in order to consider what God was asking them to do. What kind of commitment should we make and, and then everyone who was willing and whose heart moved them came and brought an offering to the Lord for the work of the tent of meeting, for all its service and for its sacred garments. And the best way to look at this is we're not bringing it to build something here. We're bringing it to build places where the kingdom of God can come in and touch people's lives. And I don't know what that's going to look like, but we always say, imagine a church that does whatever it takes To serve the West Metro. So what does that look like? As you begin to imagine and say, God, what is it that you're calling me to do? It could be just to to do what you've been doing. And I want you to note this. The stress, you just can't stress this enough. Verse 20, everyone who was willing and whose heart moved them, there's this almost this sense that, that there was a move of God because they opened their hearts and said, God, what do you want me to do? And the word willing, if you look at verses 20 through 29, it's mentioned back in verse 5, but it's mentioned four more times in just those few verses. And it ends with the idea of not just offering, but free will offering. And then the word brought also occurs seven times in verse 20 through 29 which is an interesting thing it's this whole idea that not only were they praying about thinking about they were excited they brought it they it was it was in their being to want to give it i um have a grandson that i've shared with this about my grandson every once in a while in fact i've got pictures no i'm just kidding um but one of the things I I love about kids is you learn so many things from them. So you know you turn around and they go, "Oh, I'm not going to give you any of my skittles." Well, um, unlike my my own kids, who I call the Skittle Kids, my little grandson amazes me. He shares food and stuff he really likes, and not just a bite. I, I, sometimes I I, he, I I mean I may ask her bite, and a lot of times he'll just offer it, and and he'll he'll take a bite and then I'll take a bite and then he'll give me a bite and then it's just back and forth. It's like in his little heart to want to do that and I got to tell you as a grandparent, I just, I go, whoa, that just moves me. And I can't help but think that's not how God responds. When he sees people whom he's blessed and he just says, you know, I just want you to bless others. That's that's all about church. Let's forget about all the stuff about church. Let's just Get it down to its basic being. I want to bless you so you can bless others. I want you to love me and through me love others. It's as simple as that. And if we were willing just to say, God, here's what I got. I'm going to give it to you. I want to bless others. Can you imagine? There would be a move of God. And I, I truly believe there is a move of God that we're in right now, and it's really a matter of whether we want to step into it. And part of our stepping into it, and I'm going to say it's really clear. So if you're listening and live, part of our stepping into it is your obedience. It really is. It's not about someone else's obedience; it's about your obedience. So I just want you to consider what is God calling you willingly. And then I want you to decide to do it. I'm going to ask the worship team if they'd come. And they're going to lead us into a song. And I want you to be thinking about this. One of the things we say that makes a person's spiritual life um, grow and, and vibrant is three things, worship, community, and service. We talk about this, worship, community, and service. And I'm going to ask you in relationship to God, what is he calling you to do in worship? Worship is giving your whole self. But it also means this, on a weekly basis, I'm going to spend some time with the worshiping community. What does that look like? I don't know in this time, but God does. With community, what does it mean for me to be connected? I might not be able to do it, but I could maybe do it through Zoom. I need to be. You might need to just say, Bruce, I want to be in a small group. Or I want to be in Moms Connect. And we talk about service. Every person has a spiritual gift. The question is for you to ask, God, where do you want me to, to use it? Some of you know it. Some of you will stumble into it by just in faith saying, God, I'm going to try this. And with COVID, I don't know what it'll look like. So as you hear this song and you make this commitment, whatever it's going to look like in your heart, I'll come up and pray in just a moment. But I want you to ask God as you consider what it is he wants you to willingly give. Let him speak now. Let him speak to you sometime through this week. Father, we as a community... just look here in the room and it looks like weak but God you have your church spread in every home and every place and you can place on people's hearts there is no better time there are people right now who need Jesus like never before they are so disconnected they are finding themselves in hopeless situations God breathe into us the life and the love that we might serve so sacrificially in ways that people go God's here do you know the people responded to Moses? And they had to actually at one point tell them to stop giving. May that be Jesus. Here in our church and in every church that worships you, in this twin cities. God, move in this Metro West in a way we've never seen before. Release your Holy Spirit. Whatever holds us back, whatever traditions, whatever things that we hold on to. Oh, gentle Holy Spirit, release our hands and give our hearts. We give them to you in Christ's name. Amen. God bless you. Um, I pray, Spirit of God, just descend and fall on us and, and bring glory to Jesus because of the great gift of our Father God. Thank you.